Good morning, and I'm glad that you are joining with us today. We're online again today. You're in your living room. Uh, you're watching at your own home with your family gathered around. I'm so glad you joined with us today. Hopefully, if you were on the Core 52 journey, we've been reading a book called Core 52 together. If you're on the journey with us where you're getting extra teaching and you're memorizing verses and things, you're able to continue that right now throughout this season that we're in. If you've been doing it, the verse that we're going to memorize this week is Psalm 118, verse 22. And it says this. It says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. See, Psalm 118, verse 22, David wrote it and said, The, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Cornerstones are important. They're important. When they were building houses, building buildings, there were three important stones. There was the capstone. When they would finish the building, they would lay the capstone on top of the building. And when they would build an archway, they would lay the keystone at the very top. It's this kind of V-shaped stone. They'd lay it in the middle. They would hold the whole arch together. But then there's the cornerstone. See, the cornerstone was the first stone they would lay. Before they laid anything else, they would put the cornerstone in place. They would lay it, they would square right where they wanted the building to begin. And everything else in the building was measured off of this stone. It was leveled off of this stone. It was situated off of this and squared off of this stone. This stone mattered. If this stone was laid and set properly, then the building would be strong. If this stone was not level, if it was not laid securely, if it was not set the correct way, then the whole building would suffer structurally. And throughout the Bible, Jesus is referred to as the cornerstone that we build our lives on. David said, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone because you see, God would send his son. Because God so loved the world, he would send his son to rescue us from our sin, to save us, to buy us back from death. His son would go to the cross, the cornerstone would go to the cross and die in our place and be buried in a tomb and resurrect so that we could have life, but the world's rejected him. In fact, Jesus referred to himself as this cornerstone. He told throughout his life a series of parables, stories that had this kingdom meaning. In Mark chapter 12, Mark is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is telling a story. It's called the parable of the tenants. He's going to tell this little story. I'd love for you to grab a Bible right now if you would. Mark chapter 12, you turn there, a Bible app on your phone. And like I said last Sunday, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and comment right now. Or message us and say, I need a Bible. And we will make sure we get a Bible delivered to you or mailed to you. Whatever we got to do, we'll send a Bible to you because we want you to have the Word of God. In Mark chapter 12, this is what Jesus says. He tells them uh, some parable stories. He says, a man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it. He dug a pit for the wine press, and he built a watchtower. And then he rented the vineyard to some farmers, and he moved to another place. This is an entrepreneur. He's on a journey, and he comes in here, and he builds a vineyard. Puts a protection around it, a watchtower, a wine press, and then he rents it out to people. And he goes off because he's going to go start another vineyard somewhere. He's going to get more things ready. The next verse, the next part of the story says, At harvest time, said Jesus, the man sent a servant to the tenants 
to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. They want, he wants the rent that's due to him. But the tenants, they seized him. They beat him, and they sent him away empty-handed. And so then the owner of the vineyard sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head, and they treated him shamefully. Well, the owner sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat. Others they killed. Well, the owner had one left to send, a son whom he loved. He sent the son last of all, saying, well, they're going to respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And so they took him, and they killed him, and they threw him out of the vineyard. And then Jesus broke from the story. He looked the people in the eye. He says, what then will the owner of the vineyard do? What's he going to do? Well, the people knew the answer. They knew how this worked. If, if the owner has a, a vineyard and the, the tenants beat and kill and steal from him, well, the owner's not going to handle that well. Jesus says, what is he going to do? And then Jesus answers his own question. It's this rhetorical question he answers for himself. He says, he will then come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. And Jesus says, haven't you heard this passage of Scripture? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. See, Jesus tells this parable about himself. The owner of the vineyard is the creator. It's the father. It's God. He's made this. He's given it, entrusted it to us. But then when he, when he sends to collect, when he asks for the fruit of the harvest, we've rejected him. People rejected him, and they rejected his prophets, they rejected his servants. They rejected his leaders. And then Jesus sent, or God sends his son, Jesus, and they kill him as well. And Jesus said, haven't you heard? The stone that's been rejected will become the cornerstone. Well, the people, they hated this parable. They hated this. They didn't like hearing this at all. And in fact, they, they interpreted this as though Jesus was talking against them, which he was. He was referring to them as the people that rejected the cornerstone. And they hated this. They didn't like it at all because they knew what they had done. Churches, we are gathering up here. We need to consider what we do with the cornerstone, the one that's been rejected. The cornerstone is the first that gets laid, and everything that is built off of that cornerstone, everything that comes off of that is, is strong. It, it perseveres. It's, it's level, and it's square, and it's straight, and it's good, and it's, it does what it's created to do. But when you reject the cornerstone, you build up something that's not true. Everything eventually crumbles. Everything eventually crumbles. Almost like Jesus is looking at us today and saying, what kind of tenant are you going to be in this creation? Are you going to be the kind of tenant that welcomes and accepts and builds off the cornerstone? Or are you going to reject 
the cornerstone? Are you going to reject the stone that becomes the one that has to be built off of? You see, if you want your life to be everything that God made it to be, if you want to be the man, the woman that God made you to be, you have to build your life on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. You have to. If you want to be the husband, the wife, the father, the mother, the son, the daughter, the co-worker, the neighbor, the teacher, the student, if you want to be the person God made you to be, you have to build your life on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Because the stone that was rejected became the cornerstone. You build your life on that cornerstone. You don't reject it. Why does that matter? Why does it matter what we build our life on? I mean, we live in a modern age with technology and tools. And Why does it matter what we build off of right now? I want to share with you why it matters. In Acts chapter 3 and 4, I want to flip over there with you if you would. So go ahead and click through on your Bible app to Acts 3 and 4. In Acts 3, I'm going to paraphrase what happens. We have two men, Peter and John. Peter and John two followers of Jesus. They've been disciples through three years. When the stone came, when the cornerstone came, the sun came to greet the tenants, to call people to him, Peter and John accepted him. They welcomed him, and they sat at his feet, and they learned from him. They began to build their life off of that cornerstone. Well, Peter and John, one day, they're walking into the temple. They're going up to the place, the center of Jewish culture and worship. They're walking up in there, and there's a man sitting alongside the road. He's a lame man. He can't walk. and He's been there for a long time. He was well-known. People were used to seeing him. And he was begging for money, begging for something to survive on. He was asking for help. And he sat there day after day after day. It was a common sight. Well, Peter and John, they're walking by here, and the man's begging. And Peter sees him, and Peter goes over to him. He grabs him by the hand. He says, silver and gold I don't have. I, I'm not going to give you any money today. But he says, I'm going to give you the one thing I have. And he tells the man, get up and walk. Get up and walk. He takes the man by the hand. He raises him up. And this man that had been sitting here lame for years, known for years for his situation, for his condition, he gets up and he begins walking and leaping and jumping and running and praising God because he was lame, but now he can walk. He was broken, but now he's healed. Well, Peter and John go on about The people are amazed by this. People are amazed, and they want to know why and how this happened. And Peter shares with them how Jesus came to heal what was broken and talks for a while. Well, then in Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are called before a group of people called the Sanhedrin. These are rulers, leaders. Uh, they, they, they sit in judgment of people, and they're called before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin really has just one question. Their one question is, how did you do this? Now, they worded it like this. By what power or what name did you do this? But they wanted to know just what happened. How in the world, Peter, how in the world, John, did you possibly do this? This is what they said. Starts in verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, he told them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today 
for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame. And if we're, going, if we're being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. This man stands before you healed. Peter says, if we're being called to account for loving well, then you need to know it's because of Jesus. He says, if we're being called to account for being who we were made to be, for doing what we were made to do, it's, you need to know it's because of Jesus. You see, Peter at this point has so firmly built his life on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, the stone that was rejected has become his cornerstone. He is so firmly built on that that he's willing to look rulers and leaders in the eye without fear of consequence and say, if we're being called to account for loving like the kingdom of God loves, you need to know why. It's because of Jesus whom you crucified, whom you rejected. It's because of Jesus. They were completely unashamed, unapologetic in their love and their service of Jesus. But then Peter, he quotes a verse from the Old Testament. He quotes, he, he said, Jesus, you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. That's why this man stands before you healed. And then he said, Jesus is, this is Peter, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Psalm 118, verse 22. Peter quotes it. And very clearly what David said in Psalm 118 about the cornerstone coming but being rejected by people is the way Jesus referred to himself as the cornerstone that's rejected by people. And now it's how Peter refers to Jesus. He is the cornerstone whom you rejected. You need to know what this is. Why does, why does this all matter? Why does it all matter? Peter says salvation is found in Jesus Christ. Why does it matter? Why does it matter who we build our life on, the cornerstone? It matters because of verse 13. Acts 4, verse 13, the very next verse. This is why it matters. Because the Sanhedrin, the, the rulers of the people, when they saw the courage of Peter and John standing there, the Sanhedrin had the, the power of life and death over them. The Sanhedrin could throw them in jail. The Sanhedrin could do a lot of things to Peter and John. But Peter and John stood there with their shoulders squared and their chin up and looked them in the eye and said, you need to know why we're being called to account. It's because of Jesus. No matter what the world throws at me, it's because of Jesus. When they saw that courage and they realized that they, they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They were unschooled and ordinary men. They were astonished. Peter and John didn't have Bible college degrees behind them. Peter and John weren't celebrities. Peter and John hadn't been on TV channels. And Peter and John didn't have their autographs being asked for. And Peter and John, they were just ordinary guys. And the Sanhedrin that was used to people cowering before them, they looked at Peter and John and they saw their courage and they were astonished. Why were they astonished? What made them astonished? It's here. They took note 
that these men, that's Peter and John, that these men had been with Jesus. That's why. The Sanhedrin. One of the most powerful group of Jewish men in the region. They looked at Peter and John, who were unschooled and they were ordinary. And they were astonished by them. And they took some notes. I can just picture one of the Sanhedrin grabbing out a, a pad of paper and a, a quill, a scroll and a quill, and beginning to write. These guys have been with Jesus. And then looking around to other guys on the Sanhedrin saying, what else? What makes them different? What else, what else is it that makes these guys a little bit different? And I can just picture the Sanhedrin and other guys saying, that's all we got. They were with Jesus. The cornerstone. The only thing that made Peter and John different was who they built their life on. That was it. Because when Peter and John built their life on the cornerstone, they could replace worry with hope. And they could replace fear with confidence. They replaced loneliness with a family, and they replaced sadness with joy. They could replace defeat with victory because they had built their lives fully, wholly, 100% on the cornerstone of Jesus. The stone you builders rejected has become the cornerstone, not just of the world, but of my life. And because he's the cornerstone of my life that I am built upon, everything about me is different. I am unschooled. I am ordinary. But I can stand here saying, Peter, behind you, and I can look at you, and I can say, I'm not afraid of you. Because my fear, it's replaced with faith in the cornerstone. My worry is replaced with hope. I don't have to act as what you're used to. And the Sanhedrin, that day, as they walked away, they had notes taken from their meeting with Peter and John. And the top of the page said, these guys are different. And then it says, why? And the only thing they came up with was, they were with Jesus. And I wonder if the note taker for the Sanhedrin that day, they were with Jesus. Maybe he put in parentheses, the cornerstone? question mark and maybe they walked away and maybe one of them just went back to psalm 118 psalm 118 and read for himself the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and if he did and if he read on ahead just a little bit this is what he would find. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. So let us rejoice today and be glad. That's what the cornerstone does. That's what the Lord has done that very day. And I wonder if that Sanhedrin member, maybe he laid down to go to sleep that night thinking about the stone, the sun that the owner of the vineyard has sent to the world.
And I wonder if that, that guy laid down at night and maybe he just couldn't wrap his head around the idea that he needed to build his life on something different. Church, this is what I want for you. If you're watching this today or, or whenever you're watching this, I want to encourage you. We're filming this in the middle in the middle of a difficult time in our culture. I just want to encourage you. Nothing that is happening in our world surprises God. It's, it's not like God woke up one morning and turned on his Facebook, saw an article about the coronavirus and said, oh, what am I going to do? He wasn't surprised. It's, it's, not like, it's not like God got up in the morning and flipped the news on and saw that the world economy was struggling and said, oh, no, I didn't see it coming. Nothing that's happening has surprised God. No, God does not want people to die. He does not want people to be sick. He does not want people to suffer. That's all the, that's all the things the enemy does, that Satan does. God wants us to be healed, to be whole. In fact, he's gone to prepare a place for us. Jesus went to prepare a place for us so that we can live in eternity, in a place where there's no death and no pain and no viruses and no economy problems, and none of that. We can live with him in eternity. But for right now, we're in this place, and nothing that's happening surprised God. Nothing. In fact, something like 2,000 years ago, God planned for this. And he sent his son into the world to rescue it. He sent his son to, knowing that his son would be beaten and killed by the very people he was going to save. He died on a cross get buried in a tomb and resurrect again three years later with victory over death. God planned for this. And this is his plan for you. Right now, this is the hope for today. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone of your life, of my life. The Lord has done this what did he do? He gave us a cornerstone that we can build our life on. And when we build our life on that cornerstone, we can replace worry with hope and replace fear with confidence, replace defeat with victory, replace loneliness with family. He's given us a cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it when? He did it this very day. You see, the incredible thing is that Jesus came into the world as a baby to grow and be, be hung on a cross and buried in a tomb and resurrected 2,000 years ago. But it's, it's, like, it's like God has done it for you today. He's given you this cornerstone today. Let us rejoice today and let's be glad. Well, what do we have to do to be glad? Because we live in a world full of fear. 
I, I invite you to build your life on the cornerstone. If you have been living in a place of fear, in a place of panic, and, and it doesn't help, by the way, when you're worrying and when you're, you're afraid for someone to walk up and just say, just stop it. That doesn't help. That doesn't help. That just makes you worry more. What we have to do is replace the worry with something else. We have to replace the fear with something else. We have to replace the panic with something else. We have to replace the uncertainty with something else. And I want to suggest to you that the thing we replace it with today is the stone the builders rejected that became the cornerstone for you. You replace it with Jesus. You build your life on that cornerstone. And then you don't have to be terrified anymore. You don't have to live in fear of what's going to show up on Facebook tomorrow, what's going to be in the news tonight. You don't have to be afraid of what's going on because your life is built on the cornerstone and you can stand before any person, before any fear, before any trouble with courage and confidence. And the only thing that makes you different is that you've been with Jesus. Your life is built on the cornerstone. I invite you today, if you've not followed Jesus before, and maybe you're watching this, this just popped up, and you, you stuck around, got hooked in earlier. I want to invite you to the incredible freedom that comes in Jesus. I want to invite you to, to step in to a life that is built on the cornerstone of Jesus. Jesus told another little story about a man that builds a house and he builds a house on sand and when the, the waves come and the wind comes, it washes it out and it, it collapses. Another man who builds a house on a rock and when the waves rise and the wind beats against it and the rain comes and the floods rise, that house that's built on the rock stands. I want to invite you today to give your life to Jesus, to build your life on that rock. The way we do it here is we're baptized into him in water. We're lowered in, we're forgiven of our sins, we're raised up full of the gift of the Holy Spirit, free to walk out and to build our lives on that cornerstone. If you want to follow Jesus today, what I want you to do I want you to do, I want you to make a comment right now that just says, I want to give my life to Jesus. Or send us a message and say, I want to talk about what it means to give my life to Jesus. And I promise you, we'll walk together through this. And you can come out stronger than we went in. If you've already given your life to Jesus, then I want to remind you, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be terrified. You don't have to worry because you have a father, a creator, a God who's always provided and he always will. It might look different. It might be less comfortable. But God is still God. He's still the cornerstone. He still loves you. So let's live like that. Let's give hope and joy to people all around us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for sending your son. I thank you that, that even though the world have rejected prophet after prophet after prophet, you still love us enough to send your son. I, I thank you that 
that even in the middle of a world of uncertainty, you love us enough to give us hope. And Father, I just ask that we would rest in that today. I want to ask that you'd protect our homes from panic, that you'd protect our minds from worry, and that we could replace the worry and the panic and the fear, replace it with the, the solid rock of truth that we're building our life on. And I pray we would live in love as your sons and daughters. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.